If you've listened to the Plugged In Show for a while, you might have heard conversations in which we set up a particular movie or TV show. Some families will choose to navigate this and others are going to make the choice to stay away from it. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, as you might have guessed today, we're going to talk about this important dichotomy in how we engage with entertainment. Do we avoid something altogether, or do we take something with problems and say, all right, there are issues here, but I think that we can talk through it, and navigate is a word that we often use when we're talking about that kind of choice. So how do we know when to choose one path or the other, and and what are some of the goals of each choice. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because I think this gets at the heart of what we deal with at Plugged In. We talk about discernment, we talk about growing in wisdom, and you know how do we make those decisions? So uh, we're going to kick that around this morning. And in our second segment, I know that it's hard to believe, but there is another Marvel TV show on Disney+. Plus. In fact, it's called Ms. Marvel, and Paul Acey is here to tell us about that. And in addition to Paul this morning, I'm joined by Bob Hoos and Jonathan McKee. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. Hello there. <laughs> Jonathan, Thank good, good to hear from you. You know, as Not I so. often do to start our conversations, I want you to rewind your mental clock. Oh, so Thank you back. for the sound effects. That was so excellent. When you were growing up, were your parents on the permissive side of things when it came to entertainment or more rules-oriented and restrictive? And the second part of the question is, mm-hmm. how did that influence your own parenting? Did you imitate what they did or did you say, you know, my parents totally got it wrong here. I'm going to go a different direction. Restrictive. Very restrictive. How restrictive? Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, – there were a lot of TV shows that I was forbidden to watch. I grew up, you know, back when Three's Company was on. Oh, I was definitely not allowed to watch Three's Company. That's from the right there. There were a lot of uh, – <laughs> there were a lot of action shows that had – had beautiful women on them that I was not allowed to watch. It was it Charlie's was, Angels. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, going to say yeah. it, but <laughs> but yeah. So I Dukes was, of Hazard was probably right out. Dukes of Hazard was okay. I don't think they had really gotten a great look at Daisy Duke, but okay. that's that's oh, another man. story. So yeah, so I was limited to about three or four shows that I could watch, and uh, and I actually thought that that was good for me. I learned how to read. I, you know, did other things with my time. I, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so when when my own kids were watching TV, we probably weren't quite as restrictive. But one of the odd things that sort of morphed in our house is that we just sort of watched things together. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think my kids watched a lot of stuff by themselves at all. It was all sort of done communally. There were definitely sure. some things that were off limits that we didn't want them to watch. Uh, we talked through it. But for the most part, when television viewing was really family time for us. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it- uh, let's face it, I was raised back in the day when there was only three channels. <laughs> there were no streaming services. And so... Um, the wheel had just been invented. That's right. Exactly, that's right. Exactly. So so there wasn't a lot of problematic TV anyway, you know. Okay. And the th- anything that might have been a little problematic came on after we went to bed. Or you weren't interested. That's right. You probably weren't watching right. All in the Family as a child. No, no. And in, fa- <laughs> in fact, in, you know, you were talking about uh, all watching TV together, and that was very... 
a common occurrence in our house because we only had oh, one yeah, television yeah. and we all sat around and watched that TV show or whatever might be on the Ed Sullivan show or whatever. Um, the interesting, there's only one memory I have of my mother making a comment about something we were watching. It was actually an old Marilyn Monroe film that was on TV. Hmm. And I remember distinctly her leaning over to my father and saying, should he be watching this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that was the only question that was ever raised because I was watching it fairly closely. And uh, <laughs> and then years years later, as a parent myself, I think I was fairly middle of the road in most okay. cases. Um, th- th- as they were getting older, there were more of these uh, yeah. sources, and uh, I tried to keep them away from anything really problematic. But I was okay. I was in the age when video games were considered to be a real problem. And yet mm. my kids and I played mm. video games. Okay. You know, so I guess you can measure it that way. So you, it sounds like you were pretty engaged in yeah. your kids' entertainment yeah, that choices. Yeah, that was the thing. It was always together. Okay. Oh, that's good. Man, Bob, you're just nostalgia, man. That's I, right. <laughs> thinking of those days when families gathered together around the television and watch stuff together. I mean, that was, uh, we, we had four channels because we also had Fox. So we had four. I had one more than you, Bob. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, but I mean, I could literally, I have memories of Tuesday night, A-Team as a family, you know, yeah. Thursday night, Magnum P.I. Like how many times family, can a helicopter you know? crash into a cliff, but the guys crawl out, they're not hurt. Yeah, exactly. I love that about you know? the A-Team. I mean, I, I But remember, I digress. Oh, no. I remember watching The Incredible Hulk together. I remember, you know, or, or Sunday night at the movies, you know, on TV, you know, because that's why you could watch movies on TV. And it was whatever movie edited for television, you know, and yeah. we used to watch it as a family. So I think that continued a little bit with us as a family because we did gather around together around the box. So I, I love that part. I think the part that was hard for me growing up is there was times growing up where the answer was no. Why? Because I said so. And, and it was just like, I didn't know. And then as I got older, all of a sudden it was like, the answer is yes. Why? Because you're older, you know? And it was more of the phasing of like, well, wait a sec. When did I grow out of the no, because I said so to the now it's okay. And I didn't know when those stages ended. And, and that's a fascinating subject. I'm kind of working on a writing project on that right now. I struggled with that in my own parenting. I did so much of that wrong. And that's been a, a learning curve for sure and um, interesting topic for discussion. So, sort sure. of what we're talking about today. Right? Yeah, no, that's exactly yeah, yeah, what we're talking yeah. about today because I think for a lot of us, it's sort of an intuitive thing. And I'm yeah. going to say more about that uh, in a minute. Mm-hmm. I think with my own kids, um, I'm a mixed bag. Um, and my wife and I probably are a, a mixed bag of between permissive and restrictive. And like most parents, I think we have pain points where we're like, no, we're not going to do that. Or mm-hmm. things where it's like, okay, I guess that's okay. And and with my son, my son is of the three probably the most interested in music. And so mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time listening to music together, talking about lyrics. Um, you know, We'll have conversations mm-hmm. like, but talk to me about how you think the problems in Muse are different than the problems with Def Leppard, you know, and, and we'll talk about we'll talk about the lyrics. But it gets at the question that you're talking about, Jonathan. Like, when do you go from no, uh, we're not watching that as a family to okay? And I have another example as we lead into our, our main conversation today. For a long time with my son, one of the battles we fought was that all of his friends were seeing the Marvel movies. Right. And seeing them like seven, eight, 
nine years old. And the only thing I could figure is that parents thought, oh, it's a superhero movie. Right. How bad could it be? And they weren't paying attention. And and my biggest concern when he was at that age was the language. Yes. And And they're not dripping with language problems, but if you've seen any of the Marvel movies, they all have some profanity. And that was my my pain point. And I would yep. say, but I, I just don't think you're at a point where we're going to watch those. I know your friends are watching them, uh, but we're not going to go there yet. And I think we finally watched our first one right before he turned 12. So, you know, full disclosure, we didn't make it to 13 either. And the Marvel movies are rated PG-13 pretty much end to end. But that was a point of just counterculture for us. Well, and, and let's face it, that whole language creep, yep. you know, in acceptable films is continuing to grow and grow and grow. And and in a way, I've, I've always thought that, and I may be wrong, but when you talk about the chicken or the egg sort of thing, I've always thought that it's the media that we watch where the language has become worse and worse. Yep. And that has been a very strong cause for our language in society getting worse and yep. worse. I mean, I remember as a kid in school, uh, there were some kids that sort of swore right. here and there, but it was occasional. It right. wasn't, it wasn't and it was constant. Like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I was one of those kids who said, I will not do that. I will not use rough language. And it was my own decision. It wasn't my parents saying you shall not. It was me deciding it. But there were very few kids around me that were using it. Yeah. Jonathan? Bob, I think you're spot on about media's influence there uh, because I think entertainment media, not so much that it's got worse, like that you can't go back to the 90s or 80s and find movies with horrible language. Right. I think it's the access to this unedited content because now, of course, young people carry devices in their back pockets that freely stream all this stuff. And even 10 years ago when I was doing parent workshops, the music discussion was kind of about what are your kids downloading from iTunes and down, you know, and <laughs> it sounds now like a it's dinosaur like, conversation now. It, mm. it, yeah, it is funny. And now it's just, it's all there. It's all streaming. And now their role models that are in their back pockets are these, are these, you know, adults who are speaking freely with no regard to the fact that 12 year olds and 10 year olds are sitting there listening to every word. So I think it's definitely where, you know, we've talked about on this podcast, entertainment media is a map and it's a mirror. Yeah, in some ways it reflects what's going on in society. But I think in this case, it truly has been a map where young people are learning my role models talk like this and it just starts to slip out of their mouths. Well, and I remember, and I don't want to digress into music too much, but music is a huge thing when, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here. I remember when Appetite for Destruction came out, Guns N' Roses album in 1987, and it had a couple F words on it. And they felt jarring. They felt shocking yep. almost. And now we have teenage female pop stars casually dropping the F word, yeah. you know, in multiple songs. As an and adjective. So, As yeah. an adjective. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and my point is not only are we not shocked about it anymore, but it just feels normal, yeah. you know? And, and so I think, again, bringing us back to our main conversation – how do we begin to make those choices about when we go from saying, no, I don't want you to be exposed to that, to, okay, we can go there. And, and even with my own example with Marvel, I would love to say I had some concrete principle in mind, yeah. but it was like Jonathan said in the icebreaker question at the beginning, 
one day it was out of bounds and one day I felt like intuitively, okay, I think we're okay with this or ready for this, but but what does that even mean? So let's talk about that. How do we begin to make that transition from protectors to coaches, which is, I think, the word Jonathan used. Jonathan? Well, well, I think one thing that's scary about our own intuition, too, is that sometimes we we might have a feel of, oh, you know, you know, my 11-year-old's feeling very mature. He said some right. very mature things lately and stuff like that. And I think one thing we should realize is, is you also mentioned earlier, we don't know everything that's going on. No, that's we exactly don't know right. everything that's on these devices. And when you've got every mental health expert out there at least agreeing on something like no phones in the bedroom, but yet 79% of parents let kids have their phones in the bedroom. And we've got 12-year-olds who shouldn't even be on social media. They had to lie about their age. They're up all night watching this in their bedrooms. And mom and dad didn't realize that, you know, little Brian has access to all this stuff when they kind of felt that intuition that maybe they should let Brian do this. Um, we, we've got to rely a little bit more than just our intuition. Yep. I mean, that's my two cents. It could be wrong there, but I, I think we got to research a little more. And and that doesn't mean squash down, circle around, and, and also don't let our kids do anything. But I think there's a little more awareness than just, eh, it feels okay at the moment. Yep. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think one of the keys to not letting that happen, to sort of slip into just sort of this idea, well, it's time, it's time to move into this, is something that you said earlier, Jonathan, which is really why do sometimes parents just say no, because I said so, and then all of a sudden it's fine. And I think that as you ease in from avoidance and into discussion, I think discussion actually needs to be part of avoidance, you know, because I think that it's important for kids to understand once, I think kids really value when their parents treat them as mature beings, mm-hmm. right? Capable of understanding the reasons, capable of of dialoguing about some of these issues. Um, I think that that increases the ability of parents and kids to connect. And so parents really should be talking with their kids throughout this process. And then it becomes much more, in some ways, ideally, I think it sort of becomes this mutual understanding. So you are prepared and mature enough to deal with this. But that doesn't mean that the conversation stops. You just don't turn on the TV and let them watch whatever they want. Right. The discussion is still a part of that, and you need to sort of wade through that. I agree 100%. In fact, I I would suggest that that is, you know, we were talking about intuition, but the fact is that when you believe your kids are old enough to hold conversations with you mm-hmm. and hold ideas and discuss ideas with you, that's when you start talking about uh, media discernment, when Mm -hmm. you start talking about discernment in a lot of areas. Uh, I I think I got better as a parent with each successive child. Right. Because I started... The last one always gets the best parenting, right? Because I started learning uh, better ways of dealing with that too. With my youngest daughter, for example, uh, we used to go on walks and talk about things. And I... I uh, would give her what I glibly called kernels of wisdom. And, and we, would, we would walk around and we would just talk about questions and about ideas. And, and my goal was that we, in our discussions, would start raising ideas that she could make her own. And I think that can begin as soon as you believe your child is ready to be able to hold a conversation like that. Okay. 
Bob, I think you nailed it because what you're saying is you're not moving from this authority, this no, to all of a sudden, yes. You're moving from this, no, I don't think we're ready for this, to the, hey, now they're ready to, my intuition is telling me they're ready to dialogue about this. That doesn't mean it's going to be a yes. It just means it's up for discussion. Yeah. And I would even take a step forward and say, in those discussions, when we're getting to the why, you know, well, why, well, why? is this even a question? Why shouldn't I be able to watch this show? That's where we need to take it to scripture. And I think that's where if we're spending time in scripture, then those discussions, we don't have to necessarily go, well, let's let's open up Leviticus and see, you know, but what we might <laughs> we're have, gonna have to still on this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. But maybe we've been spending so much time and we've just had a story about how Jesus interacted with the crowds here or how Jesus interacted with his disciples. And and when we're having that discussion, honestly, if we're spending that time in the word, our kids are going to be able to dip into those discussions and say, well, remember the other night when we talked about this? Is this one of those instances? And so hopefully this is part of our lives and this is who we are. And those discussions, at that point, we're going to get to the point where as a coach, we're going to say, well, what do you think you should do as part of that discussion? And, yeah. and they might even choose bad. And there's going to be a segue of probably when we say, well, I still think we're not going to do that yet, but you're discussing it. You're talking about it. Right, right. And anecdotally, I mean, we, we get letters all the time from kids who actually write in, you know, they've grown up or they're teens now and they talk about how big a part plugged in was a part of their lives and they gnash their teeth at us. But because their parents, <laughs> their parents actually directed them to our website and said, you want to watch that? Let's see what plugged in thinks about that. And they read through yep. it. And through that, uh, they're able to dialogue. Another thing I Absolutely. wanted to mention is just acknowledging that as we talk about sort of this avoidance discussion, it's harder and harder these days for parents to really push the avoid button anyway. Yeah. As we were talking about language, I, I was thinking about how I was raised and I – there was a lot of swearing in my school, and I think that that's probably only gotten worse as time has gone on. There's certain protections that you can have. I, I know that homeschooled kids probably don't have those same types of issues. But when you think about, as Jonathan says, the screens that are ever present yes. in, in our lives now, the avoidance to be able to avoid content is just getting more and right. more difficult, which makes these ongoing discussions with kids Ever Vital. so much more important. Yeah, even in kids' shows. And I mean, some really healthy, upright kids' shows that talk, say great things about family. Even in those, you will find content. It may not be overt, but or more covert and in the background, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. And we have to address it. I think you're absolutely correct. I think it, it is important for us as parents, as coaches, to address the idea that Anything you consume, whether it's a video game, whether it's a TV show, a commercial, a TikTok video, there's going to be certain messages in there. They may not be in-your-face messages, but there are messages, and we need to figure out how to deal with those. Well, and it's interesting because, and gosh, we could have this discussion for hours, and, and our listeners here, we, could, we they know that. We could, we could literally, we should have like a five-part podcast on this, <laughs> but as, as we're you know, engaging in content, we're going to encounter different types of content. One is, as we're, as Bob just said, watching a family show, we're going to encounter people who aren't living lives with, based on biblical principles. We're going to encounter that. And 
hopefully as we as a family are realizing, hey, the people on our street, the people at our work, the people we encounter at school, we encounter people like that. And so sometimes maybe those moments might be hitting the pause button and saying, hey, hey, when we encounter somebody who's, you know, living with their girlfriend or living with their boyfriend like this and stuff, how do we respond? How did Jesus respond? You know, and those might be pause moments, mm -hmm. but we're also going to encounter some moments where we see really like a lot of imitatable behavior or even preachy behavior. And also that's to the point where we see, man, I feel like this show or this song is really trying to convince my kid of something. And that's where we probably need to be on the lookout. And all of a sudden, maybe it's not the pause button, it's the off button. That's what makes parenting very tough because as we're having these discussions, learning when to base these decisions on biblical, because it's clear in the Bible to flee some of those kind of things. But it's also clear in the Bible to love and care about people we encounter who aren't living biblical lives. So we need to live that and model that, and it doesn't make this simple at all. And you know, some of those messages aren't necessarily um, as present as we think they would normally be. So in other words, we'll see things that are in a scene, um, little things that are in the background, like like the the dumb dad or the the domineering <laughs> yeah, mother yeah. or the pastor who drinks a little too much or 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 the gay couple on the couch who are kissing they're in the background you know they're right. just elements of the scene but we all have to recognize and I think we need to teach our kids to recognize this too that they're not there accidentally right they don't just tumble into the scene they're right. placed there because somebody somewhere wants to make a point or at least plant a subtle seed into our unconscious. Well, and to just summarize some of the principles that we've been talking about the last few minutes, I think I think we're right to say that intuition alone is probably not enough. Uh, but by the same token, I think the stance that we're talking about here is one of engagement right. and engaging in conversation. Mm -hmm. And you know, we framed this as when do we avoid and when do we move into dialogue? But I love how Paul said, Actually, we need to be having a dialogue all the way through. Sometimes the result of that dialogue will be that we say no to something. Sometimes it will be saying yes with a caveat, but we're doing it with a conversation. We're doing it side by side with our right. kids. Um, just one more example from my own family. Um, fairly early on, um, my son began to develop an interest in Pokemon, and I had multiple concerns about Pokemon. I had concerns about the spiritual worldview, and I had concerns about the consumptive worldview that, you know, <laughs> here's a game that entices you to just keep buying cards. So we waited a while, and then we began to wade into that. And I said, okay, but we're going to talk about the worldview here. We're going to talk about some of the spirituality. And actually, the spirituality in Pokemon is relatively benign. It's not super dark or occult, but it's different than a Christian worldview. And so we talked about that and we were driving to school one day and he had just watched an episode and he said, dad, Ash made this really sacrificial choice, just like Jesus made a sacrifice for us. And so that was a gratifying moment that he was able to connect those dots sure. because we're talking about worldview stuff. And and that's an example that makes me look good. It doesn't always <laughs> go that way, right? Um, but if we're engaged, if we're talking, if we're bringing those biblical principles in, what it models to our kids is there's a constant dialogue between our faith and the world. 
and the influences that are there. And it doesn't mean that our kids are always going to make the right decisions. Sometimes they may get sucked into something because their friends are watching it. Sometimes they may fall into temptation to, you know, look at something that they know they shouldn't. But if we have that open communication, as they make more and more of their choices, you know, we continue to have that conversation that moves from we're setting all the boundaries to we're going to coach you again, to use Jonathan's word in how to do this. And hopefully by the time they leave home, um, they're at a point where we have a level of confidence that they can navigate the things coming at them. I think that is that is the goal. So, mm-hmm. Jonathan, you're right. I think we could have five podcasts on this, but we're going to bring our <laughs> conversation on this one to a close right here. Thanks, guys. Well, in our second segment today, Paul Acey is going to be telling us about Marvel's latest series on Disney+. Plus. It's called Ms. Marvel. Now, if you are a huge Marvel Comics fan, you probably know that Ms. Marvel first showed up as a character in the late 1970s. Marvel has, in the last few years, rebooted the Ms. Marvel character, uh, and she's pretty different than the one that we saw in the late 1970s. So, Paul, what is going on with this new show, Ms. Marvel? Ms. Marvel, yes. The uh, the character that we meet in the the show, her name is Kamala Khan. She is a teenager who is struggling a little bit with just dealing with teen stuff, right? She's kind of like Spider-Man back in the day. It really feels a lot like Spider-Man and and even the Spider-Man movies. You see that she's a little bit on the periphery of the whole high school scene. She's she's trying to get to know herself. She's trying to deal with her family, please, her family's high expectations, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. In the course of her childhood, her teendom, uh, she wants to go to this big Comic-Con-like thing, only it's quote unquote real. It's Avengers Con, right? So it's it's the <laughs> So like salute. the Avengers will actually be there. <laughs> no Avengers are actually oh, there, okay. but it is sort of a fan event, complete with cosplay. So she's really excited about dressing up in her Captain Marvel outfit because that's her favorite superhero. Her parents do not want her to go because, you know, Captain Marvel's outfit is a little bit tight. They are very conservative. They don't want that to They'd happen. They'd be good plugged in parents. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so but she sneaks off anyway, and she takes this mysterious bangle that belonged to her uh, grandmother. What's her a great bangle? Grandmother, sort of a, a bracelet type of bracelet. thing. All right. So it has it. It almost looks like a Wonder Woman going to DC. You know, her bracelets that bounce bullets off and all that kind of stuff. So, so she brings this. She puts it on, and she realizes that it gives her, or brings out rather, some super heroic powers. Uh, and she discovers that while she's on stage competing, you know, for her the the cosplay award. Uh, so what we're seeing right now, we've only seen the first two episodes, but what we're seeing right now is essentially her growing familiar with these new superpowers of hers, and in a way, it becomes sort of this coming of age story because there's this tension is it between <laughs> not poignant yet. That's my favorite kind, poignant coming of age yeah, stories. But it really does talk about the struggle between trying to please your parents, really do what they raised you to do, and being what she wants to do, being her own person and sometimes being a little rebellious as she does it. So what makes her kind of unique in the Marvel universe in terms of her background and family situation? So she is the first Islamic character within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, her family is is Muslim. Their whole social circle sort of revolves around the mosque. Uh, so you have these new 
quote-unquote spiritual elements in play. Um, one of the interesting things, and one of the things actually that I really liked about this is it shows, it, it gives us sort of an insight of how Islam really plays out in an American family. Hmm. You know, Kamala, she is not a, a devout Muslim. And as such, she reminds me a little bit of how I sort of might have dealt with Christianity as I was growing up, you know, where where it's part of your life, it's part of your family. Sure, it's a little bit important, but you've got a lot more important things like tests and relationships and all this kind Bangles. of stuff. Bangles. So, so you have these elements where it feels like oftentimes I think in our society – when we are dealing with with characters or people who have a different faith than us, that faith becomes their defining characteristic. This is just one of many things that makes Kamala Kamala. We've been pretty positive so far. Are there concerns that parents need to be aware of? I mean, I don't know that it's a concern, but obviously having a conversation about the depiction of Islam might be sure. one thing that the parents want to talk about. But are there other things in the mix here that got your attention? Well, as you say, you know, when you're talking about these Marvel shows, you are, there's always a little bit of swearing. Now, I think that so far in the Ms. Marvel uh, show, we see less of that than we typically do. This one really seems geared toward a younger it's audience. It's geared toward a younger fair? audience. Yes, it is. It's very fair. Uh, it feels more innocent in some ways than a lot of the other shows that we've seen. So, you, But you do have some swearing to navigate. And then, of course, you have the... The, the issue of religion, right? And right. I know that that's going to be, for me, it actually harkens back to what we discussed earlier, that, mm -hmm. that point of avoidance and discussion. Uh, I can understand why some Christian families would want to maybe steer clear of this show just because of that element. But I think it also gives uh, parents who feel like they can sort of navigate that a great conduit to talk about uh, people of different faiths, different beliefs. Uh, it allows you to actually talk more openly in an odd sort of way about our own faith, mm -hmm. you know, how that manifests in our own lives. Um, so I think that it can be a nice jumping off point. Now, there are some other elements that we, we should... Yeah, what about, is there superhero violence? I mean, it's sort of a superhero show, kind of? It is a superhero show, uh, kind of, and I would assume that violence is going to be a big part of it. So far, it's been pretty light. You have uh, one character gets thrown around at Comic-Con just because of... That some, happened to me once. Yeah, it's it just, yeah. AvengerCon, excuse me. Um, you have another child who falls from a very high place and needs to be saved. So you have some elements of that. And I would imagine that, as is typical with Marvel stories the violence will be ratcheted up as the show goes on. Uh, but so far, it's been pretty light on violence. All right. Another uh, another thing that I should probably mention is that there is some romance involved, of course. You have some romantic tension. Kamala has a crush on a guy. One of her best friends has a crush on her. There is also a character that we've already met. Uh, her name is Zoe, who in the comics uh, is gay. So that is something that may be developed in this show. We haven't seen it yet within the first two episodes, but it's something the parents should be aware of for sure. All right. Well, Paul, thanks for bringing us up to speed on everything we know about Ms. Marvel at this moment, and we'll keep an eye on it for you. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we call Pop Culture Connection. Each week, our producer, Ashley, well, she comes at us with these questions That's that, right. you know, have something to do with pop culture. And uh, hopefully they're not so easy that we can just, you know, rattle off 15 answers to them. And the goal is 
to answer the question with as many different points as possible. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I, thought uh, the go- I thought the goal was to beat Jonathan. <laughs> I thought the goal was to beat Paul. Anyway, <laughs> I thought the goal was to answer here. wisely with, and slowly. With special points given so. by Ashley. I don't oh, know what's up it, with that. Sometimes. Oh, don't make me sing the song. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, I'm going to have you go first this week. Oh, well, there we go. Let's just set that bar right away. <laughs> You, <laughs> Jonathan is remarkably <laughs> adept at this game. L- last last uh, podcast, I think I got one because I think I chose, you know, the let's just hone right in on one wise answer and right. expand on it as much as possible. Right, so there was a lot of wisdom, but a low score in the end. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. All right, Jonathan, are you ready for your question? I don't know, but I, I'm here. <laughs> would you rather travel to outer space or the bottom of the sea? Why and what would be your vessel of choice? I would definitely go to the bottom of the sea, and I would want one of those little glass bubbles around my head, and I'd want to be there so I could, you know, visit SpongeBob, first of all, and, and Squidward, <laughs> and I'd also want to see, you know, all, I mean, I want to see, you know, Patrick, you know, SpongeBob, and, you know, absolutely, and I could see my favorite sharks, I could see basking sharks, I could see thresher sharks, I could see hammerhead sharks, I could see mako sharks, I could see great you white sharks, just name I could sharks. see all kinds of manta rays, I could see all kinds of sea anemones, I could see... You don't get a point for just different <laughs> yes, types I do. of sharks. Yes, I do. You do, I do not. Get it. Paul, um, I you hate to break not. it to you, but he might get an automatic win just for working Mako Shark in oh his answer. Oh, my Well, that was lovely. With, with Sponge Shark. The Squatch Bob and Basking Shark. Basking Shark's, for the record, on my favorite shark. Oh, man. Basking wow. Shark doesn't even have teeth. It's a different podcast different time. It's a filter feed. And a different like the whale everything. shark. Yes. So, Jonathan, I counted five points for you. Oh, what a rip! <laughs> what a rip! <laughs> All right. And oh, if you think hilarious. Jonathan's been ripped off, then you need to get in touch with us here at Plugged In and let Please us know. Please do. Come on. Come on, listeners. Help me here. Help me. All right. Paul, let's have you go next. Oh, my goodness. For the record, I would also go down to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. you're getting a different question, bro. And your question is... To see is, lots of different types of sharks. Why do you like basking sharks? Oh. Which do you prefer, classic art or modern art, and why? Oh, boy. Oh, man. See, there's a really weird line between classic and modern art, right? Would impressionists count? I'm not sure. But I'm losing points even as we speak. Yeah, you are. I think, uh, <laughs> I, think I would go modern art because I really like the color and the texture, the, the ability that, that artists have to go outside the lines, really, to, to explore what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what the world looks like to them. I, uh, I even like the, the splatter paintings of Jackson Pollock. I really like the... Cubism of Picasso. Wow, wow. I'm going to give wow. you seven points for that. Oh, that is From so rich. Basking sharks Love to it. cubism. <laughs> Bob, are you feeling the pressure here? Love it when they paint sharks, Mako sharks, basking sharks, sharks out of triangles. Hammerhead shark. Oh, There's a tornado in here. White tip reef sharks. It's, lemon it's, sharks, it's tiger unfortunate sharks. that uh, classic Wobble-arm artists shark. couldn't express themselves. I, very I would well. like to say, <laughs> Ashley, that. you need to get a question into your question box about why Shark Week on Discovery is the best thing that oh. happens on oh, TV yeah. each oh, year. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we're coming up on it. So if you could work that in for me, that'd be I'll great. I'll see what I can do. That'd be great. That'd be great. All right, Mr. Hoos, I'm going to have you go next. All right. What is the worst film you have ever seen, and why did you dislike it? I've seen a lot of really bad films. Uh, 
I would say Bad Santa. Bad Santa. That's a great choice. Because it, first of all, it had Santa and Santa and sexual things. Uh, secondly, it had Christmas and sexual things. Uh, third, it had sexual things. Uh, fourth, fourth, it had a lot of a lot of cussing, a lot of nastiness. Uh, that's a really hard question. That, but that was a really it, hard question. But I think he gets really extra points question. for like the most plugged in response ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't get up to seven. Sorry. So okay. Uh, oh, no, boy. but that was a really I'm good sweating answer. Sweating now. I'm sweating. Definitely something for our what do you got audience for me? to avoid. Who on the catbird uh. seat so far? All right, Adam. Let's get you a good one here from the bottom of the box. Neat. All right. Who do you consider to be the best TV show character from the '80s and why? Well, it's got to be Michael Knight, right? David Hasselhoff, because he's got the hair, he's got the jacket, he has a car that talks named mm-hmm. Kit, which is Knight Industries something something with two T's. Um, he <laughs> when ha- when when Hasselhoff shows up, you're like, I just want to be like him when I grow up. At least that's how you felt when you were 13. Maybe not so much now. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, don't hassle the Hoff. There you go. I like how you said. Something, something with two T's. You didn't get any. Because like, those, those specifics <laughs> well, were very important. Industries, I don't know what the two T's are. It's an acronym. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe somebody could look it up. 10,000. Yeah, what does KIT stand for? Yeah. I mean, I know we could look it up. But I mean, I nerded out halfway and then I like know. fell off the cliff Wiley Coyote style. Yes, yes. Help! So our winner this week is Paul. Oh. Bravo, Paul. Yay. Good job. Yay. Well, Paul, congratulations. And... and well, and I'll try harder next Ashley week. was being particularly nice. She didn't count all of Jonathan's sharks. So that's all right. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another plugged in show. We would love to hear from you with how you handle the tension between when do we say no, when do we say yes? How do we begin to move into that discussion stance with our kids with their entertainment choices? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com, and we would love to hear from you. And we'd also like to say thank you for being a part of our Plugged In Show family. So today, for a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the corresponding Plugged In blog entry for our conversation, where you'll also find links to everything else that we have talked about today. Or you can just give us a call to order that book at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week, and we hope to join you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. 